Welcome to the Property Nomads podcast. And here is your host, Rob Smallbone. Hi there, and welcome to a very special episode of Leverage Lifestyle and the Property Nomads podcast as well. So uh, it's Catherine Turner here, also with... Rob Smallbone. Hey, so Rob's with us, uh, and it's, this is a, a bit new for, for Rob. I've, this is my second time round of doing a joint podcast and a joint episode. So this is both going out on the same Monday. Uh, we just think there's a, some crossover in terms of our listeners and what they're going to be uh, wanting to hear about from both of our podcasts. And we just thought, hey, rather than record two separate episodes... Let's just put it into one. So we hope you like it. And we're just going to see how this goes. Where Rob was like, yeah, let's just wing it. So I was like, yeah, let's wing it. <laughs> so yeah, I hope you enjoy what's coming. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Rob, I don't know if you want to kick off and tell people for Leverage Lifestyle listeners kind of a little bit about you and the Property Nomads podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Catherine. A great idea, actually, by the way, of, of doing this. Completely, <laughs> completely new. It's going to be great for both sets of uh, listeners as well. So yeah. Listen up, there's going to be a lot of good content coming your way. But a little bit of background about myself and Property Nomads podcast. So I'll just focus on, I've done a lot of traveling, been lucky enough to do a lot of traveling uh, in my lifetime. That was through working, saving, doing the old school traditional way as such. So I've been lucky enough to go, I think it's 45 countries, I think, at the moment, which is pretty cool. Um, cool. (laughs) Having come back from traveling in 2015, needed to... I didn't want to go back to work. I didn't want to go back to work and you know go through that cycle again. So I was thinking, is there something I can do to get stuff working for me? And you know, and I, that being said, I knew there'd be a fair few years of graft. You know, you got to be a bit selfish to be selfless and so forth. Uh, and yeah, from there, really um, came across came across Rich Dad Poor Dad. That's a book that I'm sure your listeners and every <laughs> everyone that's listening in has um, read at some point. And yeah, read that, got in, got involved in bricks and mortar, but bought the first property up in Hull after doing a lot of research. I was still living in Reading at the time. And thanks to the wonderful Peter Jones, <laughs> gave me a kick up the backside, um, suggested that I should move to Hull, which I did, because it made a lot of sense. And having a traveling sort of background, four hours up the road, not a big deal. And from there, um, the buying business, which is with a different business partner, it has gone from strength to strength. Uh, so we're doing you know, relatively well. Uh, and from all of that, uh, yeah, Matt introduced himself to me, I think via social media a long time ago. And again, you know, we've just built that rapport over time, uh, so much so that we realised that our visions were aligned, that we had a lot of travelling experience between us, a lot of um, similar you know, visions, where we want to go, etc. And then, alas, here, here we have the Property Nomads podcast, along with project management sourcing, um, you know, newsletters, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. So... Yeah, so far so good and a lot more to come. Fantastic, fantastic, Rob. Uh, And I love the fact that, yeah, probably my first book that wasn't um, for, I suppose, for learning or learning at school or college or for just pure fiction or whatever, like my first non-fiction book was also Rich Dad Poor Dad when I started to learn about property investment as well. And it really just opened up my eyes to what was possible. So it's so cool. Um, so if you, yeah, if, you, if there is any listeners that are like, yeah, I keep hearing about this book, go and read it. It really does 
it seems to change so many people's lives. So I highly recommend. Uh, and the other thing, you mentioned Peter Jones there. So for those listeners who don't know who Peter Jones is, um, I actually did a podcast episode with him on the Progressive Property Podcast. Uh, he's not no longer the host, uh, but he was. And I've actually shared that on my Leverage Lifestyle Podcast as well. Um, so if you want to kind of hear... I don't know how much we'll get into it on this podcast, but the kind of highs, lows, a lot of the mistakes that I made in property when I got started back in 2012, then yeah, definitely check out that episode. Uh, it's all good fun. But yeah, we love Peter. He's a great guy. Very nice yeah, about property. Yeah, he's fantastic. That's cool. That's cool. So uh, I suppose just for your listeners, a bit about kind of leverage lifestyle and my background. And um, so I felt there was some affinity there with Rob because I went traveling. Uh, essentially at the age of 21, I realized I'd probably only been abroad two or three times growing up in a single parent family, there just wasn't the money for it. And so anytime I've now traveled abroad, it's been on my own dime. I've made it happen. And uh, really thanks to a friend who went, should we just go traveling? Who I met through uh, my dance teaching qualification because variety is the spice of life. And yeah, it just, it, it showed me a whole new world. Uh, I spent some time, definitely haven't done as many countries as you, Rob. Uh, I'll get there at some point. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to just see the world, see what was on offer, meet new people. And it really opened up a whole new world to me. And the trouble was I kind of came back and then got comfortable in a job again. And I realised that this wasn't what I wanted to do. Voluntary redundancy, redundancy got offered to me in 2013 when I was working at Essex County Council. I'd already luckily found uh, people educating you in property investment. And for me, education is really key, like making sure you do it the right way and do your due diligence as well. So uh, I initially went with a property training company. Uh, I spent a lot of money with them. And actually uh, me and Rob also know each other from the fact that we're both now through Progressive. And I think, you know, I definitely found my home there or my kind of second home for sure there in Peterborough. And I live in Essex. So, you know, it's a bit of a travel, but actually uh, it's so worth it for me to get educated right in it. So yeah, gave up the job. Um, we'd already been in property for about a year. I just married my husband, Stephen, uh, after just before I got made redundant and haven't really looked back. I made a few mistakes, uh, did a few wrong things, tried my hand at pretty much every type of pro property strategy there is. But now our focus for the last four or five years has been on service accommodation. Started with our first single let, changed our cash flow on that from £200 per calendar month. Uh, to a th over a thousand pounds net cash flow um, every single month, uh, and usually higher. I think our first month we took in a revenue of over six thousand, um, yeah, over six thousand as an SA. So it was like, oh yeah, this works. So we've now just scaled it. We've built a whole team around it. We have a physical team and a virtual team based in the Philippines. We now help other business owners hire their virtual assistants as well. We have a uh, the Viva Club, which is cool, and yeah, it's just just gone a little a little crazy right now I'm also a mum of two and yeah life is is busy but it's brilliant and I love it and I wouldn't have it any other way and yeah that's kind of kind of my journey with it all and that's the thing you know for people that are listening to this you won't be able to obviously see the visual but <laughs> a massive grin on Catherine's face when she's saying those last sentences and that's that's key you know it's, it's good to it's good to have fun doing it there are going to be times where it is tough it is stressful it can get emotional you know all of that it does happen it will happen inevitably uh, it's how you react and deal with those situations keep pushing through and if you know where you're going and you have the focus you will get to where you need to go and that that is important to remember even when times are tough it's if you keep remembering that you know you'll you'll be laughing when you're at the top of the mountain 
Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. And I think for me, you know, I talk about this concept of a leveraged lifestyle. It's the name of my podcast. It's, you know, we have a uh, uh, outsourcing and systems course behind it as well. But actually, it's so different to everyone. And I'm, I really don't want to ever be prescriptive about it. Because for some people, it will be leveraging money and making money on their money. For other people, it's more about a kind of lifestyle and a balance of family, might be travel. And I just think for everyone, it's different. And I think one of the things, again, why I wanted to kind of do this crossover episode is the fact that, you know, a lot of my listeners will will be fans of going traveling and doing that and how you build assets in a business whilst you want to travel more and doing all of that as well. So um, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about that, if that's okay, Rob, about how it all fits together and you know, that concept around, I suppose, the property nomads and, you know, can you travel? Can you build a business? Can you build assets? Um, maybe if you're not always in the same country, potentially. Yeah, far away, if I could be of any assistance. I've said, by no, by no way am I a, a complete, you know, guru and god at it, but I'm certainly <laughs> trying. So, yeah, feel free. I'm happy to answer. Cool. So, um, I, you've talked about, obviously, you did some traveling before. I don't know kind of how much traveling you've been doing recently and things like that since you've uh, been building the business. But uh, a few of my listeners, uh, we have a community that goes behind uh, Leverage Lifestyle on Facebook. And so I asked a few of them what they'd like to ask you. So uh, this kind of ties in. So how do you keep track of everything uh, when you're traveling, kind of the process and systems in place? You know, I, I, I was actually training someone yesterday. They have an SA business and bless her, the, the cleaners had let her down. And she had to go and do it herself again. And of course, if you're in another country, that just can't happen. So I don't know, is there anything that you've learnt, gone through, maybe some lessons, and then how you've kind of solved them? Build a strong team. <laughs> Build a very strong and reliable team. So the, admittedly, to be honest, since I started really getting involved in property, so the end of 2015, start of 2016, I haven't done um, or haven't trialed, I should say, any form of extensive traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the times I've been traveling, I've been away for three months in Southeast Asia in the USA, that's 2011. And then 2014, 2015, it was say 10 or 11 months around South America and Central America. But since getting involved in property, I've taken the old holiday here and there, you know, uh, a week here, a week there, a couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks there. But I haven't done any extensive traveling purely because what well, a reason for that is not because I don't want to, um, but uh, I was reading a focal point by Brian Tracy, and he basically says you've got to start implementing it bit by bit. So, you know, start taking a day off a week, let that do what it needs to do, then start taking two days off, then three, four, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and build up. So, yeah, I've got all these travel plans in my head of, you know, visiting bonkers places like Tajikistan and Kazakhstan and getting a larder and going driving around there, which would be fantastic. <laughs> I don't think I've even heard of some of those places. So, <laughs> oh, people think I'm making them up when I when I start saying that. It's, it's great, um, but to get to that point, yeah, you need to build a strong team. Um, if something if something goes wrong, and in, inevitably stuff will go wrong, then you need to be able to sort it out. Um, a lot of my portfolios buy to let. For me, through trial and error, I've just found it very straightforward. Mm-hmm. If, if there's an issue with a tenant or there's an issue with something it's relatively easy to rectify the estate agent or lettings agents even get the almost get like a little sort of bullet pointed list from us of you know go and authorize xyz don't worry about it and you know take it off whatever rent comes in at the end of the month you know we'll just monitor that once a month so yeah build a team but that takes time that doesn't happen overnight people will let you down stuff will happen and how you react abroad well 
if you've given the people the right instructions, and again, I'm talking on a buy-to-let side, I haven't done essays, so it's difficult to compare fairly. If people have been given the right instructions and in place, then that should make your life a bit easier. Yeah, I think I think 100%, you know, we've got a great team behind us. We have uh, kind of our set cleaners, and then we have backup two, three, and four now. Uh, we, we've learned the hard way. We used to just have a backup, then we had a third backup, and now we have a fourth backup. Just, just also purely because of the size we are now, and so we're going to have multiple changeovers happening and things like that on on any one day. Um, but I think you're right there. Another good friend of mine, uh, you probably met her as well, Rob, is Anne Holton, and she really she's built up uh, a very substantial buy to let, and she loves it because she she hasn't necessarily leveraged as much as maybe I would want to, um, and I would maybe encourage people to. But she's built up the buy to lets with steady families in them who treat it like their home, and it's kind of it's not a they're there for six months and then they're gone again. These are long term tenants who, you know, want to do right, want it to be their home, don't want to you know, put anything off. And they're probably actually fixing those kind of small little niggly problems themselves. Um, so I do think there's something uh, to be said for having a really simple uh, property strategy. You know, people want all these kind of big uh, crazy strategies and sometimes people might even think SA is a bit like some, it, it's difficult people sometimes think it's too easy or sounds too good but then other people are like oh no that's that's like a business it's not necessarily just a property strategy and I would say we've definitely created a business for it and that's where we have our management team and we can do across the UK now because we've built all the systems and processes and so if someone wants a hands-free investment they're like I want to invest in property I know the returns are great but I don't want to have to deal with the cleaning, with the maintenance, with all that other stuff. And I think that's a way that you can build uh, an asset base or a portfolio with uh, and go traveling and go and do so, those things you want without necessarily having to create your own business yourself. So, you know, you're not necessarily a lettings agent, but you're leveraging them to help you build your business and scale as well and know that they're there whenever you need them. And I think one of the things I've learned a lot from Tim Ferriss as well is actually give people permission and give a sign off a kind of an amount or a level that you're happy to kind of go with and so it just makes it really simple that you know it's 50 pounds 100 pounds whatever it might be just go and get it fixed yeah your systems and back office processes are are crucial and you touched upon a really good point there as well and it's there's a lot of um i'm not gonna say there's a lot of fluff but when you get involved when you start getting involved in property it's very easy to go chasing shiny penny after shiny penny you know, let's go and do this, let's go and do that. And, you know, it's fair to say that you and I both recording this having trialled various different things in our respective areas. It also comes down to how you envisage your life as well, how how you want to live it, what you want to do, what your you know personal values are. And really, I always say the same thing. If you've, if you've got this, imagine you've got this big sort of umbrella and everything within the umbrella is ethical, 100%, you know, within the within the confines of the law. As long as you operate within that umbrella, it doesn't really matter what you do. Mm. You know, you can build a a seven-figure SA, you know, management business like you've done and, you know, very well done for that. That's a fantastic achievement. Thank you. You could have a stack of buy-to-lets. You could have some HMOs in Leeds. It doesn't really matter. Um, It all comes down to yourself as an individual, yourself, your business partner, you know, how you want your life to be. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And 100% I've I've chased those shiny pennies along the way. And every now and again, when I'm chatting to, again, other property friends and they're doing a slightly different strategy and 
I'm like, oh, that sounds really good. And I'm like, no, no, focus. And focus, I think, is key. And I think especially when you're at the beginning of your journey, whether that's in property investment or just looking at different business opportunities, you're always looking for the grass is greener because you actually haven't tried what you're doing for long enough to actually see if it's the right fit for you, if it's, um, uh, you know, the right strategy, the time and everything you want to do. I think if you're really clear on what your mission and vision is and your values and actually what you want to create for yourself, I think it will be a lot clearer. And like you said, it sometimes then doesn't necessarily matter what the strategy is. It's actually like how you leverage, how you systemize, how you outsource. Building that team or outsourcing to a great team will then allow you to hopefully live the mission, vision and values that that you have. So leading on from that, I'd like to ask you a little bit about the kind of the vision, the mission you had for, for your business as well, Rob. Good questions. <laughs> so. Very good questions. I should have had a better answer for that, shouldn't, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> to be fair. Um, Are you stalling, so... Rob? Are you stalling? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got two, effectively got two businesses. So we've got a lot of people, I think, or if not most people, that associate myself with the property nomads, which is fantastic. I've also got another business partner who actually I've gone travelling with, to be fair. So we've known each other a very, very long time. And it's interesting because when we set out that business, there wasn't necessarily a specific vision because again a lot of it came through trial and error you know does rent to rent hmo work here what's buy to let like etc etc so on the buying side it's very low key and my business partner has a you know really really good job down in brighton he loves it he's you know he enjoys life and our sort of strategy is again predominantly buy to let add three or four a year keep it ticking over because we know we're going to be doing that for 20 30 40 years of course over time you know the assets will build themselves inflation does a trick, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So actually for that business, we don't have a vision. We don't have a mission statement. We're very uh, behind the scenes, low key. We'll use property sources. You know, we're always happy to pay property sources. If they can find better deals, we can raise finance. Straightforward. But property nomad style to test something different. So, I mean, our vision, our vision is to bring the world to you. And by doing that, you know, we know we need to be out and about and a lot of that is travel-based, and we know to get there, we need to continually build assets, we need to build the team, we need to surround ourselves with you know, successful people and, and build that way. Uh, and our mission statement is to guide your success. It doesn't have to be property-related. Success is success can mean whatever you want it to be, and having the lisp, I'm going to stop saying it because there's too many S's and C's for my liking. <laughs> But it can be anything you want it to be. You know, is it a success in property? Is it is it business related? Is it in your you know relationships with your friends? Is it with your spouse? Success means anything to anyone. Mm. So we've got a very broad aim. Uh, sorry, a very broad mission statement on that. Uh, vision wise, again, you, you could argue that's global. We want to be able to bring the world to you, and to be able to do that, and to be able to invest in you know having some fantastic journeys abroad and so forth. We knew we know we need to build up the team, and you know we're we're in the process of doing that, and we know it will take time. We know that it's going to be a lot of. I don't know if you've had this, Catherine, when you took on your first sort of VA and PA. Is that men, you can get that mental block of you are literally entrusting someone else to do a lot of stuff, yeah. uh, and to, to have that control taken away from you. That's a bit of a weird block. So I think we've got that challenge at the moment, but it's a quite a cool thing to have as well. And we'll get there, you know, we'll get there. That's why we've set 
the that vision and mission statement as they are because you know we're going to be doing this for a long long time and you know we're looking forward to see what happens that's really cool that's really cool now it's um it's interesting so we've got a few different kind of i suppose vision or mission statements um for kind of the different areas of the business as well um but i suppose really what well, the one we've had for the longest kind of, I suppose, a tagline or whatever you want to call it, again, a kind of vision for the business is empowering people to live the life of their dreams. Now, that's actually quite vague and quite broad, um, but we've done lots of different businesses in the past. I'm a speaker and a trainer, so I'm act, I'm, I'm physically working with people. Uh, Steve's a mentor as well, and, and I, I really believe in that and masterminding and all of that. So I really believe that I've been given something by going to an event, finding out about investing. In this case, it happens to be property investing. I've built other businesses along the way. And I'm really grateful to those people who have showed me a different way. And it was another reason for starting the podcast was to give back, was to provide consistent content as well. Uh, I realized I was being a bit, bit, a bit lazy at times. And, you know, having two kids back to back also <laughs> takes up some of your time. But I really wanted to give back and ensure I was producing consistent content, giving people, uh, helping people through some of those blocks as well that might be helping them live that leveraged lifestyle. So, you know, if it is like hiring your first staff member, it is scary. It is a bit like, oh my God, I'm losing control. Uh, you know, what do I give them? How do I even start all of that? So again, that's why we started the Viva Club because again, we were we were using VAs. We were telling people how to hire VAs, but what we couldn't control was the quality of VAs. And also the person kind of heading up that business. So she was initially our PA, our, our VAPA, and she's now become the manager of the Viva Club. She manages our customer service team that are based in the Philippines, and she's just an absolute star. And everyone's like, "Get me a Mary," and I'm like, "No, you can't have her, but I'll get you the next best one." So, um, so that's really cool. Like, and she absolutely loves helping other business owners find the right VA for them, and vice versa. She really help, loves getting VAs. A really great boss to work for as well because that's that's really cool and um, so yeah they're kind of empowering people to live the life of their dreams very much the business one I also have a a really really wide overarching one which is overarching on everything I do in terms of business and life and how I'm raising my children and that is to create a planet that not just survives but thrives because I just think we're not treating this planet very well and I think there's a whole bigger picture piece now but I don't think I could be doing that kind of bigger work and that bigger mission if I was still working in a nine to five job. Like I'm 100% clear on that, that I couldn't be up to some of the bigger stuff that I'm doing. I'm going to be launching a second podcast, which is all around the kind of sustainability piece and uh, the, the kind of the wider planet issues going on. And I'm really excited about that. That's coming soon. I'm working on it. Uh, but Leverage Lifestyle is now nearly a year, uh, a year old. And that's crazy. I don't know where that time's gone. Uh, and yeah, I just... I also want to empower people that if they have got their kind of the wealth sorted, their time balance sorted, you know, they've got more of their time back. Uh, if they are leveraging their experience and knowledge and merging their passions and professions and all of that stuff, they can be up to way bigger things than they ever thought was possible. Because I know when I was in a nine to five job, my mindset was very limited. I didn't have an abundance mindset. It was very much paycheck to paycheck. And yeah, I couldn't have been doing this bigger stuff. So that for me is the whole big thing. If I can empower more people, then they can be up to bigger things. And that's that's the bigger piece. That's fantastic. And that, that 
I mean, even just listening to that, that's really inspiring because you've got to have that sort of global vision as yeah. well. You have to, because if, if you're thinking, uh, it all comes down, I suppose, to the law of attraction. If you, mm. uh, I would urge people to believe in that. You don't have to, but I would urge people to do. <laughs> because if you start believing that, uh, I mean, I read out affirmations every morning, um, in the morning, yeah, of course, and then before I go to bed as well, so twice a day. And when you start to keep saying it to yourself, it's, in my opinion, it's no surprise when you get a call from someone and go, oh, but, you know, just been given this lead, uh, we've got this deal to source on, that's you know, an extra couple of K coming in the bank. And it's like, oh, cool, great, this, stuff, you know, this stuff's working. It really, really is. So, yeah, the more, the more value that you give through you know, not just the Leverage Lifestyle podcast, but you know, that new one you're talking about, mm. I've got a book out soon as well, so that's going to be quite cool, and a second one after that as well. Yeah. So the more value you can give out, the law of reciprocity also kicks in with the law of attraction. So, yeah, it's, it's no surprise to hear that. And it's fantastic to hear it again um, because, you know, it, it should be inspiring for everyone that's listening to this. Thank you. Thank you. And like I said, I don't think I could have been there. So it's definitely been a journey for me to go on. And, yeah, I definitely believe in the law of reciprocity, um, the law of attraction stuff. I think the only thing, that if anyone's watched The Secret or, list, uh, or list, uh, read the book, sorry, the only thing was missing was the action part. And I think for so long, I was like, okay, why is it not happening? Why is it not happening? And I wasn't taking the right action in the right places. And I was trying to do so much of it myself along the way. And I think if you really want to be up to bigger things, you have to let go and leverage and get through some of those kind of mental blocks that you may have. And it is a process, but I think the more you can learn from people who've been there and done it, it, the easier it will be and I again I'm a great fan of that I've invested in mentors and masterminds and my education and it's it's paid back handsomely so I, again I'd highly recommend that yeah, and, and don't be afraid to invest because if you're afraid to invest or you've got this fear of investing my question to that is you know what's the what's the cost of not investing it's question mm. number one um, but secondly you know you can spend hours days weeks years making mistake after mistake after mistake but if you've got someone to guide you through you know that process mm. and it doesn't matter where they are you know they could be as long as they're one step ahead of you mm. that's yeah. all that matters at the end of the day because the amount of value that they'll be able to give you and they'll be able to accelerate your growth save your time and if you want to get to 100 properties or you know 50 hmos or whatever it is you want to do yeah. then you know you'll be able to get there quicker it not won't necessarily it should become easier but yeah. of course there are going to be challenges anyway yes yeah, it's just go ahead and do it. Just just do it as Nike says. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, one of my uh, other sayings is, you know, learn from others' mistakes. Don't learn from your mistakes. Because we all, all at school, aren't we taught that, you know, go make mistakes, go and, um, you know, you've got to go and learn from them and things like that. And it's like, actually, wouldn't it be so much simpler if we could go and watch other people make the do the thing that we want to do, make the mistakes and then go, okay, so that's how not to do it. And this is the way I'm going to go and do it. And it's not to say that there still won't be mistakes made along the way. Of course not. But you're not going to make those big, huge, like life changing mistakes where you just quit and never get going again. And I think one of the things, again, I've learned along the way is no matter what the challenge or situations come up, I've always been able to find the solution, whether that's going to leverage someone else's knowledge and experience. Um, but you've got to be willing to ask for help as well along that way. But the biggest thing I noticed about myself, which I kind of didn't even know was in me uh, when I look back, is that I just didn't quit. I just kept going. And I think which, like I said, you know, we've both got a background in property and that's one of the assets we're, we're building. But I, I think, you know, in, in anything, if you're building a business, uh, an investment strategy, 
keep going, ask for help, uh, and, and you'll get there. You'll get to where you want to go, yeah, and, and create the success that you want and whatever that looks like for you. Yeah, as long as, you, as long as you know what that is at the start and you know what you're working towards, then it won't be an issue. And it's interesting you mentioned about not quitting. So I think that actually resonates quite a lot of myself as well. There's, you know, with all various ups and downs, you know, in, in life and as well as, as well as business. Yeah, actually thinking about it for some reason. I, actually, I've said this to a few people as well. Sometimes I just plow on and I don't even know why. I just do it for the sake of just plowing on. Um, but I think subconsciously I know why. You know, I do it because I've got, you know, visions on the wall, you know, because I'm a visual learner. So I've got all that on the wall. But yeah, it, it does become sometimes a couple of points where I just motor on without, it's just instinctive after a while, which is a great thing. So it keeps you moving forward. Yeah, it just becomes that kind of habit. Like, it's just, why would I stop now? Actually, it's just so much better to keep moving forward um, than, uh, uh, than giving up. So, yeah. I completely did. Uh, I've got another question uh, that I wanted to ask you, Rob, or should I say Arabella wanted to ask from my uh, Leverage Your Lifestyle community. She's saying, do you travel and invest or invest then travel? And how do you manage back in the UK? So obviously you talked about some of those, you're taking kind of a day, then a week, and then you're kind of building up maybe to longer term travel again. So for you, your journey's kind of been, you've traveled, you've got that bug. Now you understand, like, let's invest and that's going to give me the opportunity to go and do the travel again. Is that about right? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I would also say that I can't think of the episode number off the top of my head, but we actually got, uh, Matt and I got given this as a question by someone, that exact question, uh, oh. <laughs> and we've done a whole episode around it. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes yeah. so you can find the exact episode. But it's a great question. So, yeah, for myself, a lot of it was, when, I, when I've done the more extensive travelling, that was again what i call the old-fashioned way work save up go and enjoy etc etc yeah having gotten into investing now and as i mentioned earlier on i've not done any extensive traveling i've taken a few you know a few weeks here and there whether that's been spain or quite recently i was in azerbaijan as you do as you do ukraine (laughs) yeah uh yeah really really great countries build a team Mm -hmm. build a team and if you can trial and test those people you'll know who you want to trust and over time that'll that'll pay dividends because you know at the moment doing it for three and a half years or something along those lines i know that if i was in i don't know honduras or wherever uh, and someone came to me and said actually rob i've got this property got this property in hull um you know thanks to modern technology zoom whatsapp skype it's very easy to be able to see it Mm. Um, know in the area as well so if someone sent figures I'll be able to you know know relatively easily whether it's a good deal or not mm. and yeah you just entrust entrust it with the rest of the team um, but that comes down from knowing your systems processes and again trialing people as well um, so yeah in answer to that it takes time I've traveled first and then invested and then over the course of time again through testing I'll start to travel more um, yeah. extensively rather than a week or two here and then you know that'll be the true test um, we'll see what happens yeah so we um just give you kind of our insights on that we again I, i'd done some investing when i was younger sorry some traveling when i was younger then learned about investing when i really wanted to get out of my day job and i probably hadn't really had that much of a holiday for a long time and was like no i love this traveling stuff like i want to go out and do more of it and see more of the world again 
and actually going to do it with my husband as well because he'd never done the traveling thing. He'd gone straight into uh, an apprenticeship in accountancy, done all his training, gone through SEMA, and he was just like, I'm ready to like, well, he just had gone into each job as it, as it had come. And when we met about a few months later, he got um, essentially a promotion uh, and a 60% pay rise, which is obviously insane uh, in your early 20s to suddenly jump that amount. But he had all that kind of knowledge built up over seven years of training and apprenticeship and taking the smaller wages. And so it's like, well, again, I can't take a break because... I've got this really good job now and I like where I like where I work and the people I work with. So, um, so we were just doing a few weeks at a time here and there. And so when uh, I built up the businesses to enough stage where he could hand in his notice, a three month notice, uh, we said, OK, um, we're going to see if this works. We'll take our laptops with us at this time. Our property businesses, we had I'm trying to think what I think we had the buy to let and things like that. So there's a few things that Again, we're just kind of ticking along nicely and they didn't need our daily input, not like, say, an SA business where, especially at the beginning of our SA business, should I say. And so we decided we were going to take three weeks away uh, across Europe and travel lots of different places in Europe and uh, just take our laptops and just see if we could live this laptop lifestyle that everyone was talking about. And say so three months is up. Uh, we uh, essentially packed up and finished our rent uh, and finished our lease. We went and stayed with his dad for a few weeks. Bless him, like, he's so kind and generous because we were like, we're not going to take on another lease. If we're about to go traveling for at least three, you know, three, four weeks. Uh, it'd just be a waste of money. And so, yeah, he was really kind, put us up. And then, yeah, we, we went off three weeks. It was amazing. Just so nice to have that time with the person that I've been doing all this for as well because obviously we didn't have children at that time. And it was just like, actually, this is what it was all about. And so... Yeah, well, we kind of got the bug and I gave Stephen the bug, so that was good. <laughs> and yeah, I'm trying to think like the kind of process of it all. So in 2016, again, we were we were like, OK, we're going to start our family soon. Um, we Again, we want to go travel and make the most of, sing, you know, kind of, I suppose, single life without children. I mean, you know, so married, but single life without kids. And we planned a trip. Again, we were going to go around Asia. And it was as I went to go and get my injections and all that stuff for traveling that the nurse said, and I just need to ask, you're not planning to get pregnant in the next six months, are you? And I went, yeah, that's the whole point of the trip that actually we conceive when we get back. And she went, Zika virus. And I was like, oh my goodness. So we'd planned this whole trip. Uh, luckily we hadn't actually put any money down on anything. It literally was like the phone call was happening the next day to pay all the deposits. So we got all that <laughs> cancelled. We um, and then planned our trip essentially around uh, the US and we went to Bermuda, was like our kind of beach destination. And so for the week of my 31st birthday, I was on a private Wi-Fi enabled beach uh, in Bermuda and it was just beautiful and stunning. And yeah, we did uh, LA and San Francisco and Las Vegas and New York and it was just fabulous. And actually um, our final week, we were in Las Vegas and uh, that's when Ella was conceived. <laughs> so <laughs> we were very lucky that actually, you know, we didn't that we didn't go kind of uh, to Asia and obviously the Zika virus uh, kind of worry that would have been there because otherwise we wouldn't have had Ella when we had her and we wouldn't be where we are now. So, yeah, it all worked out. And essentially that month away was us testing all our systems, testing our team, testing our outsourcers and just seeing if all the systems work. And it didn't break. So, yeah. Uh, it's obviously a little bit different traveling with children now, but we 
over the last, mm. as it's from last month till about September, we're traveling every single month. So, and I say traveling, we're having some sort of holiday or we're seeing friends and family and spending some time away. So for, for us, that's how we kind of do it now, rather than long extended periods, shorter periods, um, but just, yeah, enjoying time with the kids and, and family time. On a, on a completely um, uh, related note, of course, so what would you say from your experiences so far uh, would be your favourite place that you've been to and why? Oh, that's so hard, Rob. That's so hard. For so many different reasons. Um, when I was 21, one of the places that literally took me back by surprise and was just so different to anything I'd ever experienced before was Japan and we went to Tokyo. Now, I, I wish I'm, I'm... Yeah, Japan's still on the bucket list because I... I really only stayed in Tokyo and but it just I literally as soon as we got there I knew I was somewhere really different and then when I got to America and probably my favorite place to go to or two favorite places to go to with Steve are New York and Las Vegas and they're quite different really they're kind of different vibes and everything but we just have such a good time whenever we're there I could go back to New York every single year and never get bored uh, I love it and Las Vegas probably not every year but we're planning a trip actually uh, beginning of next year uh, to do a big mastermind over there and uh, take some of our mentees over there. So, um, yeah, it's really exciting. One of our new uh, partners in the Ideal Collective, our business, uh, he's going to be turning 30 next year. So <laughs> we could be enjoying a good time over there as well. But a bit of business along the way and then some good times as well. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're kind of very different for very different reasons. But I when I first went to New York, I felt like it was home. It's like a really weird vibe there of just like, this is cool. This is easy. I, I, I just felt like I fitted in really well over there. So, Yeah, the Big Apple is a very, very good place. Yeah. <laughs> so much to see and do. Uh, it's uh, incredible. Yeah, exactly. I, and I just feel like every time I've gone back, I'm like, oh, I still haven't done that. I still haven't done that. And yeah, and actually when I was 21, 22, I was there for a stint by myself. And everyone's like, oh my goodness, isn't it dangerous? Isn't it scary? I was walking back from so Bryant Park, which is near the the library, uh, so New York City Library, uh, had a like a summer film screening going on when I was there. And so I went to that and it didn't finish till like 11 o'clock at night. So I'm walking back through the streets of New York at like after 11 o'clock at night, going back to my, my hostel because that's, that's how I was traveling back then. And I felt so safe. There's so many people about. That was the thing. Like, I just obviously I stuck to all the main streets, but yeah, there was so many people about that. I just felt really safe. Yeah, it's just like a nice, like an unwritten traveling tip. As long as you use common sense, yeah, <laughs> you're pretty much going to be okay. But you know, regardless whether you know where you are in the world, you know, um, I certainly found the difference between when I went first time uh, in, in Southeast Asia and then South America. It, <laughs> Uh, let's just say my um, alcohol intake was a lot higher in Southeast Asia than it was <laughs> yes, in South America. I, I may have done that, yes, as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, whew, there's some, not for this podcast right now, but there, there are some stories there that uh, whew, we'll, have to, we'll do part two at some point. Yes, um, yes. But yeah, I certainly found by having um, less of an alcohol intake and, and being a bit more compartmentous, mm. um, actually, yeah, when you start hearing stories about people saying, oh, I got rubbed at gunpoint, it's like, okay, cool, well, I was drunk, and it's like, well, you've just answered your own question, you know. Mm. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely. Um, I, I think that's one of the things, especially when you're travelling on your own, um, I'm really cautious and I just keep everything close by and I'm, I, I'm just, I'm really aware. Um but yeah, definitely took a few risks in Southeast Asia, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely for another another episode. Maybe we'll do like <laughs> the, the travel experiences or something like that. Yeah, 
don't do what Definitely. we did. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I'm up for that. Sounds good. Great, 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 great. But yeah, um, so I'm just trying to think how long we've been going for now. Cool. Uh, it's great fun, and we just kind of, it's just turned into a bit of a conversation more than a kind of question answer. But they're they're sometimes my favourite podcast. So it's all good. It's all good. So, but I hope people are getting value from this as well. Uh, we always love to get feedback um, on the leverage lifestyle. And I'm sure you probably feel the same, Rob. That you like to kind of uh, know what your listeners are thinking and what they want more of. So, um, yep. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions I always like to ask people I interview as well on the podcast is what, if there is something you could change the world, if you had a magic wand, what is one thing that you, and try and keep it to one thing if you can, mine's probably more than one thing, what would you change? What would be the thing you'd really want to make a difference in? That's a very good question. <laughs> it stumps that... a few people as well, so don't worry. I think I've even stopped uh, Rob Moore on episode one with this sort of question, so... That is a great question. So if I could change anything in the world. Mm. Yeah, what would you change and why would you change it? I would do something along the lines of making sure that everyone had access to sort of safe drinking water mm. um, and electricity. Yeah, I'd do that. I'd do that. Um, why would I do that? Just so there's a, a semblance mm-hmm. to an extent of equality. Mm. Um, around the world. I mean, my opinion is we're never going to have absolute equality, um, you know, in the world. And that's, again, that's just my opinion. People might be listening to that, might not like that. I appreciate that. I respect that. My opinion is we're never going to have equality, um, no matter how much we want to try and push for it. Mm. But if everyone's at least got the very basic amenities and access, um, then, you know, that, that might fuel quite a few, you know, dramatic changes um, around the world. So, mm. yeah, that, that's probably podcast three thinking about it. I can go complete off one about that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll I, I do that. Let's stick with that. Let's go with um, having world access to safe drinking water and some form of power, whether mm-hmm. that's electricity, gas or so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's really interesting because there's something we do as part of our essay business is every uh, ensuite or toilet or bathroom is sponsored or it, it, it sponsors shall i say it's twinned with a latrine abroad in developing countries to allow access to a safe sanitary place to just go to the toilet because again the stats around that are one in three people do not have access to sanitary toilets like that's crazy right we just take it so for granted wow. yeah so it was so simple as well we, we'd seen it actually uh, when we were doing our antenatal classes with ella and it was in a church hall and in the church toilets, they're all twinned. And so Stephen really took this on board and he said, well, why don't we just do that for all of our toilets? Like we've got, you know, multiple essays now. Uh, and so we encourage everyone that we manage as well. So obviously where we own them or where we've taken them on ourselves, we can obviously do that straight away, but we're encouraging everyone that we manage as well to do that as part of it. And uh, yeah, 60 quid, 60 pounds. That's all to make sure that these stay there, they're built how you know the difference that would make as well so i think you know having water is it's a necessity it's not a luxury having access to a clean toilet um and being able to be sanitary that should be a necessity it should everyone should have access to that not not just a luxury and yeah i think if everyone had power wow like how things would change i mean my I always worry like how it's going to be and I really want to ensure like renewable energies is at the forefront of all of these people who do not currently have electricity that they're not going to go and 
burn loads of coal and gas and all of that, that actually there must be cleaner ways now that we can get electricity to everyone on the planet. And I think there is like, I know Elon Musk is working on it. I have a Tesla. I'm a, a very big advocate of what he's trying to achieve uh, with like his gigafactories as well. And I think they're, you know, he's put out his patents so that people can take his technology and go and replicate it. And I was watching Before the Flood, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, National Geographic documentary. And he said on there to Elon Musk, he's like, so how many of these do you need? And he said, 100. He went, well, like 100 for the US? And he said, no, 100 of those gigafactories would power the whole world. That's it. And I'm like, that's insane, right? That just seems like such a small number for how many, you know, power stations we must have, how many coal mines, how many, all of that that we've built along the way. So yeah, I, I, I think it would have been an incredible thing. It's just, let's make sure we're cleaner in how we're doing it and as clean as possible so that we can, yeah, everyone has the same access. And I think we, I say we as in developed nations, is in, you know, uh, people who are leading the way with it, we need to show and do it, not just say it, we need to do it. So yeah, that's my two cents on it all. <laughs> Why? Well, fair, fair, fair enough. Great question. I'll uh, bear in mind if I ever get asked that again, at least I'll have a, a bit more of a quicker response. <laughs> well, you, would you like to know mine, Rob? I was just about to ask, is it different from what you've just elaborated on? But feel, feel free. I'm, I'm curious to know. Yeah. So, I mean, that was an important thing for us. But um, because I've tried to get everyone down to one thing rather than like my, I could go off on about 10 different things of things that I think would help. I think if everyone was more compassionate in the world, it would have a fundamental change in how we treat the world and how we treat each other and how we treat animals. Mm -hmm. um, my kind of sustainability piece as well, I know I probably put a, a few people off when I talk about this, but I am vegan. And for me, it's not just a diet, it's not just what I eat, it's everything. And it's how we just treat, I think the way we treat animals as well. And this was a, this was a bit that came for me a lot later. Um, it was more around kind of health and sustainability first. How we treat animals, actually, if we look at then how we're treating each other and humans and humanity, we could be way kinder to each other. And if we're actually kind to each other, think how we could treat the planet. And I just think it would have a fundamental shift in everything. Um, so someone was telling me the other day that um, Simon Cowell has just come out and said he's vegan. And for me, I feel like it's great when someone does have a platform or a celebrity status or whatever. And by the way, that's not to say I have celebrity status or a platform at all. I have a few people who happen to listen to my podcast and I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, but for me, it is this wider thing that if we're compassionate, you'd have less people in prison, you'd have less people doing harm. There's, yeah. So that's why I went, if everyone's more compassionate, imagine, imagine a world we'd be in. Imagine the world. It's an interesting concept. It's an interesting concept. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I like to set, talking of being vegan, actually, I like to set myself um, new goals every July, part of my birthday sort of thing. I take that quite seriously. And uh, one of my lettings agents, uh, who's, um, how shall I put it? Uh, she'll, she'll say it herself, she's not very, uh, very physically fit and hates running, etc. Uh, so she's done a 10K challenge within an allotted time. Uh, she's vegan as well. So she said if she achieved that, then um, would I not eat meat for a year? Which ooh, I, I must—I won't lie—I was sweating a little bit when she <laughs> mentioned that, uh, and and well done to her. She did that challenge successfully. So yeah, from um, you know one of the things that will be coming in it is no meat for a year, and I'll give it a go. And uh, you know for me that's going to be a big challenge. 
and, and it would be good fun. And to me, it doesn't really matter if, if, you, if you eat meat, if you're vegan, vegetarian and so forth. I think the compassion thing is a, a very interesting concept because if people had this understanding or even respect of other people's visions, values and opinions, mm. then as well, you know, we might, we might live in a much better place. But then again, having a difference of opinion, that's probably why we've got politics and everything else as well. So it's a bit... Um, it's interesting. Um, I knew Simon Cowell was vegan before you told me that, actually. Um, oh, okay. It was new, it was new yeah. to me. But uh, by the way, Sorry. I absolutely applaud you for taking on that um, challenge and accepting it. And um, it's really nice, actually, that people... I like to share that I'm vegan. I know there's a whole joke about, oh, how do you know a vegan's vegan? Because they'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, uh, I'm, just, I'm just sticking with the stereotype there. But for, for me, it's actually like when people know so if they're doing some sort of challenge whether that's for January or like a year-long challenge or whatever it might be it's really nice that they're like oh Catherine you're vegan like what can I eat what what do you do what do you have for breakfast like and and so I I love being able to share that with people and so yeah any tips you need Rob let me know I'll uh, I'll holler you off on Facebook that's it that's it what do I eat now Catherine what do I eat (laughs) you'll get it every day you'll get it every day I've got a. I do have a stack of quickfire questions, my end. But have Ooh. you got any anything else you'll rent from your listeners that people want to know? Anything you like um, to ask? They were the main ones, to be fair, that came in. So um, I think it's kind of helps. We've both got uh, different backgrounds in terms of travelling and how we've done it and all of that. So I think, yeah, I think probably the main thing is actually leverage to a team that you trust and test them and t- uh, and review and yeah, give people kind of permissions. And I think that's probably our probably us our same stance on it, isn't it really? That that's how, if you want to go and travel, if you want to build investments. I mean, the other thing is go and leverage someone who can do it all for you. So I know you do sourcing uh, and management. We do sourcing and management for SA specifically. So, you know, again, if you don't want to be doing the doing, leverage people that you know, like and trust and uh, and you know are doing it well and do you do due diligence on them and um, yeah, have a conversation with them at least. Like that's what I would suggest. Completely agree. And it takes time. It doesn't happen yeah, you know, I always like to refer to building a business as courting. I love that word. It's a, it's a, it's a great word. Not courting. wooing, wooing. Um, yeah, wooing, court. You know, hey, um, and that ta- that takes time as well. You know, it's mm. um, you know, if you're going to build that sort of rapport as well, it doesn't mm. necessarily happen on the first time that you meet. That depends. You know, that's a whole different conversation itself. Yeah, indeed. but nine times out of indeed. ten, that takes time, and it takes time to find out more about one another, and then you build up that friendship you build up that rapport and it's no different in business you've got to take time to build up that rapport so yeah we're definitely singing from the same hymn sheet i'll just add the element of time in there and say yeah it won't happen on day one it might take a little while it might take trial and error but you will get there yeah 100 percent. i agree with that as well so yeah go on some of your quick fire i've got a few quick fire so we'll have some fun yeah fire away some quick fires so what is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given oh that's one of mine as well say so i'm gonna head that straight back at you um so it's one I've, I've kind of actually shared already. So I feel like I should have another one. So it's about learning from the mistakes of others, not always from yourself. So it's investing in people who have been there, done it, and actually then um, can show you the way. And like I said, whether they're one step ahead, a couple of steps ahead, um, you've always got something you can learn from them. Yeah, that's, that's probably one of the best ones. And just the fact that, like, don't be afraid to take risks. I think calculated risks, but don't stay in your comfort zone. It's just, it's, yeah where their kind of inspiration creativity goes to die is in your comfort zone so don't be afraid to so, kind of get get outside it very very true on the flip side then what would you say the worst piece of advice you've ever been given is so it's probably been around like stay in your job stay comfortable yeah around that it's definitely been a kind of stay comfortable 
stay in your job. You know, what are you doing? Uh, sometimes it's been out of love and care and all of that and people not understanding what we're doing. Um, but yeah, it's been like essentially stay small, stay in your box, do what you do. Don't try anything new. And yeah, that just would never have worked for me. Never have worked. Now, so that, is, that is pretty horrible advice. Yeah. Um, in, in, in the last three years, what belief, habit or behaviour has had the most positive impact on your life? Oh, that's excellent. And I was just saying about this to someone the other day, so I'm, I'm ready for that one. You are 100% responsible for everything in your life. So whether you want to say it as um, your life happens for you, not to you. I've heard a few people say that recently in that kind of term, but I think the statement is the same or it means the same thing. And now that can be really scary initially when you hear that, that you are 100% responsible for your life. And if you've played victim, which I did for a long time when I had suffered, uh, unfortunately, with some mental health issues, and I used to be like, why is this happening to me? Why me? All of that. When I got your 100% responsible for everything in your life, it put me in power. It's a really powerful thing to know that actually you can affect and effect and be the effect on your life. And if something's not going right, you deal with it. If something's going great, you get to, that's you as well. So yeah, sometimes it might feel like, oh, damn, it's on me. But then other times you're like, yeah, damn, it's on me. So yeah, um, that has changed so much in my life, uh, definitely in the last three years or so. Um, I've shared this a couple of times on the podcast, so I don't think, well, actually no, I shared it in an interview. It's in an interview that I'm going to share on the podcast soon. It was a very emotional, quite in-depth interview. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily kind of the normal, but um yeah, I didn't have a relationship with my father for a long time and we got back in touch about a year or so before I had Ella and Ella ended up being born on his birthday and I, there's coincidence, there's fate, there's things are meant to be and I'm a huge believer in things happen for a reason and yeah, 100% responsible for my life, it meant I got back in touch with him and the rest is history. So that, res that resonates quite a lot in what you just said there as well so that's uh, very poignant, thank you. For that uh, and the last one we'd like to ask what piece of advice or what one piece of advice would you give to anyone that is in limbo over making a decision well some of that advice around the 100 responsible will hopefully help yeah i've been in limbo about decisions before i uh, used to be very indecisive now i know life is too short i'm actually going to a funeral on friday and it's for a guy who's lived a long life and that's fine but any time that i that there's a change in someone being in your life and then they're not here anymore, it reinforces that point that life is short, it's precious. Since having children, again, it's just given me a better perspective on life and the bigger picture of everything. It's put so much stuff into perspective for me, I, I cannot tell you, I'm so much more patient and I just take joy in the smaller things. And yeah, life is short, do not waste it. And look, there are no wrong decisions either. A great, uh, a great thing I got taught, uh, um, some awesome training, I would highly recommend it, um, uh, through a company called Landmark. They have this phrase in this phraseology, and I think I'm, I'm all right sharing it, but it's like chocolate, vanilla, as in ice cream flavours, choose. And that's as simple as it is. It's just usually a choice between one or two things. Because, hey, you probably like vanilla one day and you probably like chocolate one day, but they're both good, right? So just choose and it will be fine. And what will meant to be, what will be, will be. 
and so many things where doors have closed in my life and other ones opened that I didn't even know was going to happen but I wouldn't have known it if that other door that it wouldn't have happened if that other door hadn't closed on me and so at the time it might be like the worst thing in the world or feel like the worst thing in the world because by the way it just feels like the worst thing in the world it's not the worst thing in the world and yeah just choose perfect thank you you're very welcome. Very welcome. I love all these questions, by the way. I'm going to nick some of those for some of my next interview questions. So um, thank you, Rob. Share, um, Sharon's caring. Feel free. <laughs> That's it. Um, okay. So I've asked one. I, I love to ask someone about like, what would you change in the world? I usually ask best and worst advice uh, as well. Anything you particularly want to share about that? I, I'm not going to ask them as such. It's just, is there any piece of advice you'd like to share with people that, you, again, you've learned along the way? Any piece of advice? Um... I think the most poignant piece of advice is actually something I've read. Um, uh, and I read it in Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Mm. I, quite, I quite like Stoicism, uh, you know, tranquility of the mind, and that's, you know, that side of life. Really, really good. And I'll, I'll paraphrase it. <laughs> um, anything that happens in our life is objective. And the way that we react is subjective. Effectively, you are in control of your emotions. So, you know, with good things that happen in life and bad things that happen in life, they're just... They're not necessarily good and bad. They're just things mm-hmm. that happen. How you perceive them and how you react, that's up to you. And we're always in control of that. Um, we might not think we are, but you have to believe that you are. So, yeah, I, I'd say that's probably the most poignant uh, piece of advice. That's really helped um, put a lot of things in perspective. When something happens, it's like, okay, well, it's happened. How do we, uh, you know, and you then, you then become, rather than like... Um, a victim, as you said, Catherine, you then mm. turn into like the detective. Mm. Like, okay, well, how do we sort this out? Mm. You know, what, what can we do that's different next time? Um, linking in with what you said about we are where we are now is, is, is as a result of decisions that we've made. I firmly believe that as well, that we are responsible. Um, we're not here to blame anyone else. If, if stuff goes wrong, it goes wrong. It is what it is. Um, it takes a lot of emotion out of things. Mm. Again, you know, ruling top to own opinions. That's just how I like to view things. It, it works for some people. It might not work for some people. You know, even on one of our people, I always mention names and so forth, but people are talking to me about quite personal issues. Maybe it's bereavements or stuff like that. Mm. I and mean, my response is normally quite deadpan. It's very pragmatic. Um, and, and that can offend a lot of people, but yeah. that's just how I think. Mm. Um, but I'll go with that. I'll go with Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Mm, I like that one. Um, so again, uh, something I got from Landmark when I did their, their thing. And actually for me, um, the training I did with them uh, enabled me to feel I was ready to be a parent. Because until that point, I because I'd suffered with mental health issues in the past, I was worried they were going to rear their ugly head. So for me, there was a there was quite a few things I wanted to go in there and work on. But by the way, Stephen came with me and he didn't really feel like he had anything to work on. And yet it still had a massive, profound impact on him. So um, I'm a, I'm as a massive advocate for what they've done. Um, but they talk about the fact that as human beings, we are meaning making machines. So, you know, it's the feelings, it's the emotions, it's all that. But the thing that has happened, it's just a thing. It's not, it's the emotion and the feeling and all of that we attach to it and the meaning we give it. So, uh, yeah, so many things that have helped me when I've kind of figured that out. And it's not sound perfect every time. Like if something goes wrong and you're like, ah, ah, why me, blah, blah. And then I'm like, no, no, what just happened? Yeah. So, you know, you're learning every day and every day you're getting slightly better with some of this stuff. So, yeah, it's all good. One question I have to ask you that I ask all of my interviewees is what does a leveraged lifestyle mean to you? What does a leveraged lifestyle mean to me? 
not doing too much. <laughs> uh, if I'm being very lazy about it. What, is it, um, what does it mean to me? It means to be able to surround yourself with fantastic individuals that have opposite skill sets to what you have or complementary skill sets as well. Uh, and then be able to create this sort of aura and culture where you're all pushing towards the same destination. Mm-hmm. I think if you're able to do that, you know, then you know that little reciprocity kicks in. Um, if you want a two-word answer, more time. Beautiful. I love that. Good summary. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Well, this has been a pleasure, Rob. Uh, we didn't quite know where this episode was going to go, and it's gone to quite a few different places, I, I feel like. Um, but I th- I've, I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have. Yep, definitely. I think the, the door is definitely open for a few maybe sort of spin-off ideas that we can you know, work behind the scenes on, and I'm sure it'll be of great benefit to you know both Leverage Lifestyle, your new podcast, and the Property Nomads podcast as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm not giving away the name of the podcast because I don't want anyone to nick it. So when I'm ready to release it, I'll, I'll let you know. But um, yeah, excellent. Thank you so much again, Rob. And um, as I say, uh, I always find, sign off. I don't know if you've got a little sign off, but I like to think there is no better time than now to start creating your Leverage Lifestyle. But where can people find out more about you, Rob? What's, uh, you know, you've got a book coming out as well. I'm quite excited to, to read that. Um, yeah, where can people find out more? So website, social media, where do you want to send people to? Plethora of places. First off, if you uh, haven't or listened or subscribed to the podcast, go and find out the Property Nomads podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and those sort of platforms. Uh, you can link with us, the Property Nomads podcast on Instagram and Facebook as well, or the website, which is um, www.thepropertynomads.com. Uh, the book Buy to Let How to Get Started is out on the 10th of July, so I have just date stamped that as well. Again, Rob Smallbone on social media, Property Nomads podcast, it, the message will be there everywhere. So yeah, uh, go and hunt us down. And likewise to yourself, Catherine, I'm aware there's going to be people around the world that uh, listen to us but not do not know who you are so where do people go and find you bless you yes so it is leveraged lifestyle podcast and again on all good uh, platforms uh, itunes stitcher spotify etc and yeah so come and check out what we do in terms of our businesses and how we might be able to help you at uh, ideal-collective.com uh, you can find me on all the social medias so on twitter and instagram instagram's probably my better better one to come find me on uh is Catherine with a c and without an e t so Catherine and t and that's on instagram and twitter and on facebook and linkedin i'm Catherine turner speaker so i'd like to try and keep it nice and consistent and yeah i i don't have a website for leverage lifestyle but i do have a community group on facebook as well so feel free to come and join in there the conversation uh that's where i got my questions for rob from as well uh i do always ask uh, to get their input so just search on facebook leverage lifestyle community and you will find us on there and we'll have all the links in the relative show notes as well so indeed it'll be easy to find all of us yeah exactly it's all good well it, it's been a pleasure and um yeah Thanks, Rob. I think a part two, part three at some point. (laughs) Definitely up for the idea. I think it'd be fantastic. Uh, Thank you for your time today as well. It's been really, really good, really informative. Hopefully there's been uh, a stack of content that both sets of uh, listeners have got. And uh, yeah, um, I don't have a sign off. Matt normally says Alfie Sane. We like to get around the world of our thank you. So I'll say Alfie Sane on our behalf. Okay, I'm going to say ciao. (laughs) Let's do it. Perfect. (laughs) See you, Rob. See you later.